like that. You Hello, everybody. Welcome that. to this like uh, Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Almost forgot what day it was because uh, I wasn't planning on doing a show Monday, and then Wednesday came around. And um, so for those of you unaware, I guess uh, we record the shows a day in advance. So I'm recording this right now on Thursday, January or February 16th. It'll be going out February 17th, Friday, February 17th. Well, Tuesday was Valentine's Day. For those of you who are unaware, or don't celebrate the holidays. I, I'm not. I don't find myself. In a particular uh, Valentine's Day celebrator, I guess you could say. And I was sitting in my apartment on, uh, on or no, I was at my parents' house on, when was it, Sunday? I think it was Sunday or Saturday, sometime around then. And my mom was like, Logan, you should come over for Valentine's Day. Or we should go out to eat for Valentine's Day. And I was like, Mom, the only thing that's more depressing than being by yourself on Valentine's Day is going out to dinner with your parents on Valentine's Day. But then I sat in my apartment Tuesday after I got done with work and got done with my... I was sitting in my apartment and I had everything ready. I was going to record a show. And then I was like, you know what's more, dis- de- more depressing than going out to eat with your dinner? Go, geez, going out to eat with your parents on Valentine's Day, it's sitting by yourself in your apartment and recording a podcast on Valentine's Day. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to go over to my parents' house. <laughs> so I sat over my parents' house. I didn't go out to eat with them. I did not. I, they, my mom made spaghetti and bread and like garlic bread. We played this game called Swipe that I swear she made up. And then we played Sequence. Like It was a, a very calm, very la- relaxing night. Not your traditional uh, Valentine's Day evening, but I felt like that was a whole hell of a lot less depressing than me sitting in my closet recording a podcast episode, and yeah, I, I, I just needed to, to choose the less depressing option. I feel like I made the right choice. I feel like I made the right choice, but we didn't record anything on Wednesday, so we're here today, but we weren't supposed to record anything on Monday, and we did, and we, like, it was just, this week's just all been messed up. This week's all been messed up, but before we get into what we're going to talk about today, make sure you follow Logan Blabman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Blackman Logan with the show's Instagram account being the Logan Blackman Show One. Facebook and YouTube, search Logan Blackman Show. Make sure that you subscribe to the YouTube channel and follow or like the Facebook page. Check out a few blog posts on there. We'll have a new blog post for you on Monday. I know we kind of talked about a mantra possibly getting released today, but um, yeah, I got I'm again, I'm a massive overthinker. I'm a massive, massive overthinker. So I changed my mantra. I was like, oh, that's a good order. Ooh, that's it. That's the that's the order right there. And then I talked to myself in my head. I'm like, you know what, Logan? That order is actually not going to happen. There's a 0% chance that happens. When, in all actuality, it's probably going to be the most correct one if I just leave it as is, but I can't be like that. Another awesome trait I inherited from my mom. But there will be, pod- be a blog post coming out on Monday. So, again, make sure you stay tuned for that. I hope it's Monday. I'm, I'm gunning for Monday. I'm gunning for Monday. And then, uh, lastly, but surely not leastly, uh, make sure you follow Logan Blyman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, just search Logan Blyman Show. should pop up. If you're on Spotify, go to the Apple Podcasts. If you have an iPhone, subscribe there as well. And if you're on Apple Podcasts and you don't have Spotify or have Spotify, make sure you download it and then subscribe and leave a rating on a five stars on both of them. It could be a one-star rating. It could be a five-star rating. I don't really care which one. Just whatever you feel like. Just make sure you leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do. Now, let's get into today's episode. Let's get into today's episode. So... Monday was, or Sunday night is when we recorded Monday's episode, because again, we just talked about it, we record shows the day in advance. So when I recorded Monday's show, it was like two hours after the Super Bowl, after Super Bowl 57, because remember we practiced Roman numerals before the Super Bowl, so we know it's 57, which next year is 58, which they said was in Vegas, they released the logo for Super Bowl 58 already, which is a, you know, 
they're not as cool what they used to be. Like, you go back to the 90s and early 2000s, those logos were nice. I think it was like the Bears Colt Super Bowl was like the last one where it was like a cool logo. If I remember right, if I remember correctly, I, there could be some cool logos after the Bears Colts one. That's the last one I vividly remember because it was orange. So we're down in Miami. That's the last one I really remember of being like cool. Now there are all these like weird silver logos. This one's like purple. I think if I remember correctly, it's, it was a purple logo with an LV and three eyes because you know, that's 58. We learned that again last week or two weeks ago, whenever the Super Bowl was, but Monday, geez, I keep doing this Sunday. When we recorded, I was a little uh, upset after the Super Bowl, like directly after the Super Bowl. We talked about that on Monday's show where I was like, man, this sucks. I hate everything. The Kansas City Chiefs just won another Super Bowl, and I live in the great state of Iowa where I have to deal with Chiefs fans almost every freaking other day. One of my best friends is a Chiefs fan. It's freaking stupid. It's stupid. Now, he's not one of those uh, uh, dickhead Chiefs fans. There's a lot of dickhead Chiefs fans out there. There's a lot of them. I would say the vast majority of dickhead sports fans in the state of Iowa are Kansas City Chiefs fans. But now they have a second Super Bowl. And everything on social media and everything after the game, like immediately after. Because remember, I recorded this like two hours, maybe an hour and a half after the Super Bowl. So like, I didn't take time. I was like, I'm not going to have time to relax. I'm going to go in, bitch and moan, and then we're going to go and post it. And we're going to do all that. I'm going to get zero sleep because my brain's going to be all wired because I've already did a show. That's why I don't do shows late in the evening anymore. Like, I'm recording right now. This is about the latest show I've done other than that show. Like, when I was back in the day, when we first started the podcast, when COVID first kicked off, so it, when it became a podcast, not when it was a live show, but when it became a podcast, we used to record episodes like at 11 o'clock at night, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, and my brain would be going a thousand miles an hour because you go like, oh, I've got to get this uploaded, I've got to get a description down, oh, there's something I forgot about, or there's something I need to talk about, or like, all these different things are going through your head, so I was like, uh, I'm going to be up anyways. I'm already wired, so might as well just stay up and record an episode. And I go over through all the things that happen in the game, and I give my round of, I, I'll, I don't know if I did this Monday, but I'll give my congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs. I'll give my congratulations to them. But it still, it still hurts. It still hurts. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. And, th- like, I, this was my reflection. Like, post that day, post Sunday, post Super Bowl 57, remember L-I-V-I, L, whoa, L-V-I-I, there we go. That was the most upset I've been after any Super Bowl ever. So when my dad and I talk about this, I talk about this with my friends as well, my least favorite team in the NFL growing up was the New England Patriots because <clears throat> I because they beat the Bills every freaking time. Tom Brady lost three times to the Bills his entire career. I have been in the same stadium as Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and watched the Patriots stomp the Bills in the ground or pile drive the Bills in the ground because that was the game where Rob Gronkowski shoulder-checked Tredavious White's held head to hell. That was that game. Super awesome game. Fun experience. First game ever in Buffalo. Tyra Taylor threw an interception at the one-yard line. It was awesome. It was awesome. Fun game. Fun game, but you just dealt with dickhead Patriots fans. And... I was like, man, I hate this team. But you don't deal with Patriots fans that often here in the state of Iowa. As I've talked about before, I've got about, I have one friend that's a Patriots fan. And I deal with about two other Patriots fans. So it's kind of a situation where I don't have to sit around and like get made fun of by Patriots fans all the time. That, like I've watched Patriots Super Bowls. I've watched almost every, every Super Bowl I can remember dates back to the Rams Patriots Super Bowl in 2001. That's the first Super Bowl I can remember watching. I was at my Nana and Papa's house. They were big Kurt Warner fans, so we had to sit down and watch that Super Bowl. So I've watched 
every Super Bowl Tom Brady has been in, more knowledge about the pre- as more knowledge going into each one as I got older. But I never once watched the Patriots win and gone like, "Oh my God, I'm so like the Falcons Super Bowl is a prime example, twenty eight to three, twenty eight three Super Bowl." And I'm sitting there watching the game like, man, this would be actually kind of cool if Tom Brady ended up winning this game. Because that was the game, if I can remember right, where Tom Brady finally kind of cemented himself as being the greatest quarterback of all time or being the greatest of all time regardless of position, whatever you want to look at it. But that was that game. Comeback from 23, biggest comeback in Super Bowl history to win in overtime. The only overtime game ever in Super Bowl history was that one. And I sat there and I was like, man, this is actually not that bad. But I remember like rooting for the New York Giants when the Patriots were 16 and 0, the Giants were 10 and 6 or 7 and 9 or 9 and 7, sorry, and they came back and won. The whole David Tyree catch, helmet catch all that, Eli Manning, then you had the second one with Mario Manningham down the near sideline, brilliant catch there too. You have Ahmad Bradshaw trying to get to the end zone, trying to fall over, but no one was there and fell right into the end zone. Like I watched those Super Bowls and I never was like cheering for the other team. Those Giants ones I was kind of cheering for that cuz that was been kind of funny. Like you have a 16 and 0 team, you're on the cusp of greatness, being the second ever undefeated team in NFL history behind the 70, 72 Dolphins. You're one of the the teams that can do that. You're 18 and 0, and you lose to a team that squeaked into the playoffs by the skin of their teeth to Eli Manning. <laughs> so it's like it was been cool to see that. But that Patriots Falcons game, I did not go into that game going like oh, I'm going to cheer for the Falcons. I found myself going like, this would be really cool if the Patriots win about halftime. Because everybody was like, oh, this game's over. But as someone who has been tortured by Tom Brady for the better part of 20 years, because he left the Buccaneers a few years ago, so 20, 22 years, 22 years. Actually, no, 23 years, because he played the Bills the last year. <laughs> so, so yeah, there was that one too. But I was like, this game's not over. It was after he threw the pick six, and you turn to the sideline, Tom Brady's just got that look in his eyes, you're like, oh, this game's not over. This game actually just started. That was the mindset. And I go into that, and I'm like, man, this would be really cool if they won. I had no thought in my mind where the Kansas City Chiefs, like, this would be really cool if they won. There was not one thought in my head that said, oh, this would be cool if they came back and won. Once the Eagles got the lead, and I don't really have a – I didn't really – at the beginning of the game, didn't care because I'm not an Eagles fan. The Eagles have no effect on my life. I got a friend that's an Eagles fan, but that's about it. I don't deal with a lot of Eagles fans every day. So – I was like, I'll, I'll don't, I don't care who it is, but I wore green because I was like, ah, well, I'm not cheering for the Eagles, but you know what? I'll wear green. I got my, I got some new balances on. I got a green sweatshirt on or gray and green sweatshirt on. And as the game progresses, I'm like celebrating, especially when like Jalen Hurts scored the first touchdown. We thought Dallas Goddard was going to score the touchdown and Kenneth Gainwell scored the first touchdown. All these bets that we had throughout the beginning of the game got smashed of their first drive. And Jalen Hurts had the coolest cleats on of all time, those black and white Jordans before he had to switch due to the bad turf. And I was like, man, this would be kind of cool if the Eagles won. And then I got so mad at the end of the game. Like, I got to watch this stupid-ass team wind down the clock. It's like Chinese water torture. Like, you just got that little drip. I don't know if this is exactly what this is, but like the little drip on your forehead. It's just one drip of water. Constantly. And you're just sitting there taking it to forehead, and it drives you insane. That's what it was like watching the Kansas City Chiefs wind the clock down to allow Harrison Butker to kick the field goal that ended up winning the game with about 10 seconds left. Like, that was what was going, like, oh my god, I'm just going to sit here and just take this. And then the pass interference call, as weak as what it could have been, technically, I guess you want to say, it was holding, or not pass interference, holding. Technically, 
Yes, but that also goes to the same thing as technically you're speeding if you're going three miles and over miles an hour over the speed limit. Technically, that's a speeding ticket. And the problem is, like, I see all these people screenshotting different things about, like, oh, here's this face mask that didn't get called. Here's this holding that didn't get called. Why are you getting mad at this one? Because if you don't call it the entire game, I saw a tweet about this. Don't, you don't change the strike zone in the ninth inning. Why did the penalty start? Be, why did that become a penalty when it was happening the entire game, but didn't happen the entire game, and it got called then? Why was that the time to call that penalty? It, you didn't call it the entire game. The refs, in general, did not have the greatest game of all time. Why was that the time to call the penalty? Like, yes, did James Bradbury have his jersey? Yeah, for like half a second, which again, did not reroute J- J- Jeez, did not reroute Juju, did not affect him catching the ball. The ball was 10 yards overthrow. Juju, if he was Tyreek Hill, wasn't catching that ball. Like the holding did not have any effect on the play, and there were worse indications of that throughout the game that did not get called. So again, why was that the one that was called? That was the thing that was so frustrating to me watching that. It was so slight and so ticky-tack in the last minute of the Super Bowl. Like, you wouldn't see that called in the beginning of the game because it was happening the entire game. And it just gets called in that moment. Again, it's like going three miles miles an hour over the speed limit and getting a speeding ticket. Well, what are you going to do about that? You're going to get pissed off about it because why did I get pulled over for that? Well, you were speeding. You were speeding. You weren't going 45. You are going 48. I got pulled over for going 38 into 35. This happened before. (laughs) I'm speaking from experience. It's the same thing. It's bullshit. But I'm not going to sit here in that same breath. I'm not going to sit here and go like, oh, the refs wanted the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. I don't, I, I've said this numerous times. I'm not going to go on the whole bandwagon of a, oh, the NFL's rigged. I think the script memes are hilarious. I think it's one of the funniest things to pop off on Twitter recently. I love that Arian Foster and PFT commenter did all that stuff because it was freaking hilarious. The memes that came out of that were awesome. I'm not going to sit here and do that because I don't think, I think this is just a bad call. It's just a bad call in a bad time. Like you cannot have that call at that exact situation. Was it holding? Yes. Was it super ticky-tack? Yes. Should it have been called? No. You didn't call it the entire freaking time. <laughs> so it's one of those things where it's going to piss you off forever. But like I said at the end of Monday's show, Chiefs fans don't need to say anything. They won the Super Bowl. They have no reason to say anything. It's like, well, yeah, you would want that, wouldn't you? Yeah, and want us to win the Super Bowl. And I see freaking Nick Wright talking about all the Chiefs this, Chiefs that on national media every freaking day. That's more of the reason why I hate the Chiefs now. It's because of Nick Wright. I cannot stand Nick Wright at all. Like, he did a whole tier list about teams where where they were tier list or, like, rankings of NFL teams. The Chiefs were by themselves on the top of the the pile, and there was no contenders. You know, the Eagles were a field goal away from winning the Super Bowl. Like they, the Chiefs took it down to 10 seconds to kick a last-second field goal. You have to give the Eagles at least some respect in that regard. And they put the Bills on the same tier list as the Dolphins and Chargers. Come on. Come on. You're reaching there on that one. And it, this is one of those situations, again, we've talked about this before, where you do things in these national media spotlights that are going to generate clicks, and if you diss Bills Mafia or diss the Bills or just diss Josh Allen or whatever, Bills Mafia is going to come in their hordes, and you're going to get all the attention in the world, And that just drives, that continues it. And the thing is, when you have a team that's been bad for so long and finally have a team that's 
good. I almost said really good. Good. And then people in national media don't respect said good team. Those fans that have been suffering for 20 plus years are now going to come in their droves and try to defend them. It's one of those situations too. So that's another reason why I absolutely despise the Kansas City Chiefs because of Nick Wright. Now, the players-wise, I don't dislike Patrick Mahomes. I think it's funny seeing all the videos of Patrick Mahomes being drunk as shit. Like, he almost gave a he almost gave the Super Bowl trophy to some random fan. Patrick Mahomes talking at the, at the, the parade? Dude's drunk as hell. I don't think he stopped drinking since they won the Super Bowl. It's kind of like Messi when he won the World Cup. I don't think Messi stopped drinking for about a month. <laughs> I don't think Patrick Mahomes has stopped drinking since Sunday. And they had their parade either yesterday or today. And I don't really, like, care about Travis Kelsey. I like Andy Reid. I like the enemy. I like a lot of the people the Chiefs have. I just can't stand their colors. I can't stand their fans. <laughs> it's two things I cannot stand. Like, I like the rivalry the Bills and Chiefs have built over the past few years. And it's kind of, I don't, like, it's one of those things. My dad says it all the time. It's not, shouldn't be considered a rivalry until the Bills beat the Chiefs in the playoffs. In the playoffs. Because the Bills can beat the Chiefs. However many times they want in the regular season, I would love for a game to be back in Buffalo. It feels like the past hundred of these games have been in Kansas City. The one time this game was in Buffalo, conveniently, was when COVID kicked off and there were no fans in the stands. Now all these games, they're going back to Kansas City next year. This will be three straight years of going to Kansas City. And it would be four if you want to count the playoff game, the AFC Championship game. So you have the AFC Championship game then you in 2020. Then you have 2021, the Bills beat them in the regular season. Then they lost him in the playoffs in, in Arrowhead. And they beat him this year in the regular season. The past four times, five times, five times, because they're going to, again, they're playing there next year. Unless we have a Dark Knight Rises, Bane blows up the stadium moment. The Bills have been playing in Kansas City five times in a row. In consecutive years. It's not like this is like five times in a row. Like, oh, this is the fifth time they played in like 10 years or something. Or 20 years they keep playing Arrowhead. No, it's three years in a row they played there five times. <laughs> When can we have this game back in Buffalo? Huh? <laughs> I've been to Arrow. I mean, as a as a fan in Iowa, it doesn't really bother. It bothers me to a certain extent, but it doesn't bother me in the sense that I could travel to that game easily. It's a two and a half, three hour drive. Unless you're with Brady and he gets you lost in the other direction because he's busy calling everybody because he's freaking out because the Chiefs just beat the Bills in the playoffs in the best game of all time. And you know, yada, 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 yada. So it doesn't bother me in that sense, but I would like to see this game back in Buffalo, you know, with the caveat of fans. I think that's important here because you look back at that 2020 AFC Championship game. The, the Chiefs had fans there. <laughs> the Bills didn't have fans in the the first game they played there because that was when fans were starting to get back, get integrated back into the game. It was frustrating, and I've said it before. I've said it last time. Like Josh Allen has outplayed Mahomes the past three times they played, but it doesn't matter. Because the Chiefs are now two-time Super Bowl champs under Patrick Mahomes. He's a five-time Pro Bowler. I think he's a five-time All-Pro. He's a two-time MVP, two-time Super Bowl MVP. No matter how much I don't think he deserved the Super Bowl MVP, he was league MVP. But, man, it's just it's just frustrating. It's just frustrating. It's like that jealous little brother type thing. Like, the Bills can win, again, all the time in the playoffs. Or in the regular season. Just the playoffs is where it, where it counts. And you can't beat them in the playoffs. Well, shit, not really a rivalry, is it? But I'm, I, again, I've just been seeing all these different clips of like different like screenshots of because this is like there's one screenshot I have here. It's Nick Bolton. He's a uh, got Jalen Hurts on the face mask. He doesn't. He doesn't. But the screenshot shows that he does. So you, you can. That's what I'm talking about on Monday, where it was like you could screenshot any moment of any game ever, 
and he go like, oh, look at this, look at this, look at this. Like, there's this, I've got a picture of Nick Bolton grabbing his face mask, but in the live clip, he doesn't touch it for like maybe a second. But hey, that's a penalty, remember? That's a penalty now. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I Now I look back and I just think it's funny. They don't really bother me anymore. Like, I've just seen all the stuff on Twitter. I do think it's funny. It, it's kind of like a mixed reaction type thing between the Kansas City Chiefs and social media right now. There's, like, two different sides to it. There's, like, you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan or you're a, a, a non-Kansas City Chiefs fan, which, I mean, that's how it works in general. But when I say it like that, I mean I'm talking about, like, there's two completely different sides of this thing. Like, you hear all these different things about, like, Travis Kelsey, like, who doubted the Chiefs or Patrick Mahomes saying, uh, this is a rebuilding year, my rebuilding year is in a Super Bowl or something like that. It's a rebuilding year with world champs, which is cringy as hell to say world champs again. I hate that with a burning freaking passion when NFL teams and NFL players say world champs. You ain't world champs. Technically speaking, I guess you'd be the best player NFL players in the world. I guess technically speaking. Like if you play, if England made a national team of football players, American football players, I'm pretty confident we win. So technically, if you want to go like that, then yeah, we are the best in the world. But we only played the United States teams. We only played the United States team. Like, you have the club, FIFA Club World Cup. Real Madrid wins the Champions League. Real Madrid is more than likely going to win the Club World Cup, but you don't know that until they win the Club World Cup. So they're not world champs until they win the Club World Cup because they're playing a bunch of teams like the Seattle Sounders and, the, like, I don't know, some re- win- um, Western Sydney Wanderers or teams like that. Well, of course they're going to freaking pile drive them. Of course they are. But they don't need to go around saying they're world champs after they're winning the Champions League. It's not how that works. Like the most depressing Super Bowl parade ever last year, the, the LA Rams. World champs, there's like five people there. Stupid. But uh, you look at all these different Chiefs things going around about, oh, they doubted us, they did this, they did that. And I think it's funny, to a certain extent, to a certain extent, because I understand where they're coming from. Because at the beginning of the year... I'll never forget this because it's something that lived rent-free in my head for a while because it was so outrageous because we had to talk about it on the show. You can go back to early shows talking about the Kansas City Chiefs won't make the playoffs. An NFL Network account had them going from first to worst. So, like, there are some people out there that did think the Chiefs were going to have a major downturn. But, again, that's what we talked about just a little bit ago of we're doing things to get clicks. There was not a chance in hell the Chiefs were going to miss the playoffs this year. We had them winning the division this year. We had them going to the freaking AFC Championship game. And we had all these different things. Like, the Chiefs are the Chiefs. As long as they got Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, they'll be fine. It's mostly just Patrick Mahomes. Because I think if Andy Reid retired, I think the Chiefs would still be good. And they wouldn't maybe not be as good because Andy Reid being there is a key thing. Andy Reid becoming slowly one of the best coaches of all time. But as long as you have 15 there and you can even throw in 87, you'll be fine. Like, people talking about, oh, they're going to, like, Keenan Allen. He even said before the season they're going to expose some people that Tyreek Hill's now out of the division. Chiefs still won the division. Chiefs still had the one seed, regardless of how fraudulent that one seed was. (laughs) Don't lose a game and lose the one seed. No, it's whatever. But that's just a joke, because after watching the Bills in the playoffs, I'm glad they didn't get the one seed. Didn't deserve that. I'd be a little more upset if they lost to the Jaguars they lost to the Bengals, to be honest with you. But I don't, I don't know. I think the Jaguars team that played the, ba- that played the Chiefs is beating the Bills team that played the playoffs. That was just a bad playoff game. Terrible-ass playoff game. But, like, there's a, there's a, there's a mixture of people that said it, but again, who's going to get the most reactions? You talk about a team that won a Super Bowl and been to another Super Bowl 
talking about, oh, they're not going to make the playoffs, that's going to generate clicks, it's going to generate views, regardless if you actually believe it or not. Do I think Mark Scott actually, deep down in his heart, believes that? I would say no. I was going to say no, but then I, I remember back, he said Jameis Winston was going to win MVP. So then now I'm starting to try, go back a little bit further. But I know we didn't. I know we here, sitting here on the Logan Blackman show, we said the Chiefs were going to win the division. We said the Chiefs were going to the AFC Championship game. You can go to different, you can go to my Instagram account and see that, Logan, the, the Logan Blackman show one. You can go see it on there. So there are some out there that I guess said that, but the vast majority of people out there are not either A, brain-dead idiots, or B, part of a national media organization that makes you generate clicks rather than actual opinions. So it's kind of a mixture of that. But it's easy to say, like, oh, they doubted us, and then you can post a screenshot of it because it's on ESPN or Fox Sports or NFL Network or something like that. You can post that shit everywhere. And what are people going to say? You don't know what Bart Scott's true intentions were around saying that. I mean, he did play for the Jets, so, you know, not all right up there, you know what I'm saying. But it's just it's just interesting how this all how this all works out. Like, oh, they doubted us. Like the Bengals thing. The Bengals one was way stupider. For I saw people saying the Chiefs one was stupider than the Bengals. No, 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 no. The Bengals one is a thousand times dumber than the Kansas City Chiefs saying anything about, oh, they doubted us, they doubted us. The Bengals were mad because the Bills were selling t- they were selling championship AFC championship game tickets for Atlanta when the Bengals were selling AFC Championship game tickets as well. And they said TBA, or TBD, or whatever it was, but you should have just put Jacksonville, because that's the only game that you could have played there. You weren't playing the Chiefs in in, in a freaking Paul Brown Stadium, or whatever the freaking stadium's called now. It was Paul Brown Stadium. I think they got a sponsor, and I think they got some money now. Oh, man. But I saw, like, another situation of clickbait. Like, the king of clickbait journalism, Colin Coward, I mean, this is the same guy that said uh, Derek Carr's a Hall of Famer. It's the same guy that said one day Aaron Rodgers would work perfectly in, with the Jets, and three days later said uh, that Aaron Rodgers would not work in the Jets. So it's the same exact thing. He posted his top 10 quarterbacks for next season, and it did say going into next season. So you're basing it off this year, but also trying to throw a little bit of like caveats in there for about, oh, don't get too upset. This I'm saying it's about next season. But the top 10 is so odd. Like, it's one of the most odd top 10s I think I've ever seen in my life. I I, re- I think I remember what the order was. But I want to see if um he tweeted it. Where is it at? Did he post it on Twitter? Because I I was at lunch with my dad. We were having, a like, a work lunch. We were doing some, we had a new tracking system, so we were doing meetings about that. And I saw it on the TV behind my dad, and I don't know. Oh, yeah, here it is. Here it is. Top 10, Collins' top 10 QBs heading into next season. Number one, Mahomes. Obviously. Obviously. Uh, Number two, Joe Burrow. Okay? I can understand where you're coming from with that. And then we throw a wrench into this whole situation. This is Then we throw a whole wrench into here. And we throw Trevor Lawrence. And then we throw in Justin Herbert. And then we throw in Josh Allen. And then we throw in Jalen Hurts. And then we throw a guy with spinal contusion that might retire in Matt Stafford. And then we got Aaron Rodgers coming out the worst year of his career. Then we got Lamar Jackson and Jared Goff. That's our top 10 QBs going into next season. That's our top 10? Like, no disrespect to Lawrence and Herbert, but why the hell are Allen and Hurts behind them at this point in time? 
at this point. Like, I can understand people going Burrow 2, Allen 3. There ain't no way in hell Josh Allen is lower than 3. You're trying too hard at that point. There's no way you actually feel that inside of you and go like, oh, yeah, this is what I feel. This is the this is the correct list. This is how I think all the best quarterbacks in the league are. What? What? If I if like we did top ten quarterbacks, my top ten quarterbacks, or at least the top five, reads Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Hurts, Herbert. That's the top five. And then you have a mixture of like Lamar. You've got Lawrence will be in there. I'm not gonna say he's not gonna be in there, but like what? It, my, Matt Stafford had a spine contusion. This isn't like he had a, a like an arm problem or something. He had a spine. It's his back. Like, we don't know if he's going to play. <laughs> he might be. He might be playing. I don't know. And again, Rodgers coming off the worst year of his career. It's just confusing. This Like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just have a problem with the top five. Not really the top five. The number Numbers three through six. You can just, like, switch those orders around. Because... You cannot tell me in any realm of possibilities that anybody says the top three quarterbacks in the NFL are anything other than Mahomes, Burrow, and Allen. Regardless of what order you have them, those are the top three quarterbacks in the NFL bar none. Jalen Hurts is comfortably fourth, and then fifth we have a conversation between like Herbert, Lawrence, and Lamar. Like That's the conversation we're having. And speaking of Herbert, Hurts, and Lamar, uh, we're talking about quarterbacks getting paid. This is an offseason where quarterbacks are going to get paid. Burrow's been talking about getting an extension as well. There were numbers that came out about Justin Herbert's extension. I got to see if I can find the numbers. Because there's talks about him being just under 50 mil a year. Which is kind of surprising, but not really. Kind of surprising, but not really. Here's Mark. Who's Mark Selzler? I don't know. But top 10 QBs of 2022. Reads Mahomes, Hurts, Burrow, Allen, Herbert, Lawrence, Tua, Jared Goff, Geno, and Tom Brady. I don't know how Tom Brady gets in the top 10. I don't know. What, I don't know how the, and this guy said, what did Justin Herbert and Trevor do to be ranked higher than Tua uh, play the entire season? That's the main thing. And uh, they're just naturally better than Tua. So yeah, there's, there's another thing as well. Where is his contract? Where is his contract? Cause I just saw this like yesterday or two days ago or something. Cause it was like a six year contract or something or a five year contract. The number was like 49 Point two or something million dollars or something because he was just under 50 why is this why where why can't i find this do i have to search justin herbert contract yeah okay i guess i do because that popped up on twitter okay joe burrow and, and trevor okay that's from january 24th where is this i just saw this the other day why can't i find any of the numbers here Okay, that's a different number than I saw. Okay, I, I, this is, I don't know if the, there's a couple different numbers I'm seeing here, but six years, 254.5 mil, according to Spot Track, who was, uh, that's where I check all like the free agent stuff. So you want to check like your team's free agents, I would go to that website. That's his value, according to them. That comes out to 42.4 million a year. And then another one said, uh, I asked, I don't know if this is true or not. Because it's ML football and they they uh and they pay for Twitter. So I don't know how they I've asked five NFL agents. I don't know who the hell they've asked. You paid for Twitter. I don't I don't think you're asking anybody for it. I think you're just saying that. 
project what Chargers Pro Bowl QB Justin Herbert's contract extension will look like this offseason. Here's what the contract averaged out to. Five years, $52.4 million a year, $262 million with $200 million in guarantees, which is about 76.34% of the contract. So it's just a, you know, that's what the projections are. But right now, he would get up somewhere around the Josh Allen range. Herbert would. If that first contract is true, he'd get around the first dollar. But if he gets that second one that we talked about, he'd be the highest paid player in NFL history. Because there's one player of above 50 million, that's Rodgers. That's one that's Rodgers. Lamar, they've been talking about getting him franchise tag. Apparently, apparently, again, I don't know how true this is. I don't know how the true this is, because it's NFL rumors, Twitter account. I don't know how true it is. CBS Sports John Jonathan Jones says it's his understanding that the Baltimore Ravens did not fully integrate QB Lamar Jackson into the hiring process, the new office coordinator, which is whatever. I, I mean, people are going to make of that what they will. I don't really think it's that big of a deal. I don't. Like, Lamar's going to work with whoever he wants. What, is he going to say yes or no when they're not going to hire him based on what Lamar Jackson says? Is that what is that what they're trying to make out here? I don't know if Lamar would do that. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know Lamar Jackson. But they hired Todd Monken who was the offensive coordinator for the Georgia Bulldogs, Georgia Bulldogs team that just won back-to-back national championship games. But it wasn't like he was a great offensive coordinator in the NFL. I mean, you saw with the Browns, 2019 was the Bucks, uh, a couple years. But it's we'll see how he does there. We'll see how he does with the Ravens. But I know like a lot of people would want to like Eric Bieniemy or something like that, who's still a free agent technically. Bills, go out and get him. He's been linked with the Commanders a little bit. And Greg Roman was also linked there. Bills, do not go out back and hire Greg Roman. <laughs> Stay away from Greg Roman. There's like a bit of a weird amount of off to coordinators on the move. Like Kellen Moore just went to the Chargers. I think Lafleur went to the Rams. Then you got uh, Bianami, who's a free agent. Could go back to the Chiefs. Could not. Then you've got freaking uh, uh, what Nathaniel Hackett going to the Jets. You got Greg Roman available. There's a lot of weird Brian, Byron Leftwich is available. You got a lot of different options at coordinator this year. Got a lot of different options. Brian Flores went to Minnesota, defensive coordinator. And then along with Justin Herbert's contract, we saw Daniel Jones's contract. Or what they're expecting Daniel Jones to be. What his numbers are projected here. Daniel, J- Daniel Jones' next contract is expected to be roughly 35 mil a year. It's also believed that a uh, deal with Saquon Barkley, quote, could get done if both sides meet at the middle at $14 million. Someone said four years for $140 million contract. Uh, yeah, it's it's looking around, around $35 million is the most consistent thing that I've seen today. And then I saw one more contract. It wasn't Lamar. Uh, well, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Because Harry Roseman came out and said the had the audacity. How could he say this? This is insane. Where did it? You know what? I can't hype something up like that and then not be able to find the quote. Where the hell did it go? <laughs> Essentially, it was some, I screenshotted the Herbert thing. I screenshotted it. Charger, Char, Daniel R. Proper projects Chargers QB to sign a six-year, $295 million extension with $135 million guaranteed, just under $50 million. I think that one's a little bit more accurate. And that's a little bit more accurate. Then where the hell did... Basically, Howie Roseman was on the lines of, yeah, I want to pay our best players. Or one of our best players. I want to pay one of our best players. So we're talking about Jalen Hurts getting a, what, like a $45 million contract? Is that what we're looking at here? Most agent sources said Hertz contract delays somewhere five year, two hundred forty million dollars is higher than Josh Allen's six year, two fifty eight is what they're expecting here. This is one of those things again, where resetting the market is kind of a good thing and a bad thing. Like the Bills, 
are kind of not in like complete cap hell, but they're not in a great situation when it comes to the the cap. So that's why we've talked about the whole situation between Jordan Poyer and Tremaine Edmonds. What's going to happen there? What free agents can they bring in? Who are they going to have to cut? Who's going to be a cap casualty? Like, there's not going to be a thing where they have to cut Diggs or cut Josh. Like, the Vikings being rumored to cut Dalvin Cook or the Bengals with Joe Mixon or something like that. They don't have to do one of those things. But letting one of your best players leave, integral parts of the defense in Trade Edmonds and Jordan Poyer, one of them, or both of them, could leave this offseason. So that's kind of scary when you're looking at the cap situation. Go like, oh, well, what can can they do? What can they do? What can they do? But that Josh Allen contract and the Mahomes contract, remember when the Mahomes contract was signed, it was freaking insane. What was it, 10 years, $500 million or something like that? It felt like it anyways. I don't know if that's the exact number. I don't think it is. Maybe it was like eight years, $500 million. I don't remember it exactly. But that was insane. And then we're having quarterbacks like Kyler Murray side bigger contracts than that. And then we're talking about, is Kyler Murray going to be the quarterback for the Cardinals next year? What are they going to get tired of Kyler Murray's antics? Is that what's going to happen here? So we go from he's this high-paid quarterback, but now the coach and GM that drafted him are gone. Steve Kime, gone. Cliff Kingsbury, gone. And there was a thing the other day that said Cliff Kingsbury was interviewing with the Houston Texans to be their new office coordinator, which would be very interesting. Very interesting. He'd be fine as an OC, probably. He could be one of those guys that's not a great head coach, but a good OC. And they're talking about he has been with camps with Bryce Young. And I think that's the overwhelming favorite at this time to go first overall. Or not first, so the first quarterback taken. If if the Texans are that team that picks first. So let's say hypothetically the Bears stay at one, Texans two. Texans are taking Bryce Young. Texans could trade up to one, they're taking Bryce Young. But someone could jump them, and maybe they take Bryce Young. But I think Bryce Young to Houston just makes the most sense. Like Will Levis to Indianapolis just makes sense. And then uh, C.J. Stroud to either Carolina or Vegas makes the most sense. Anthony Richardson to Carolina, and then I haven't decided where the other team I like him going is. I like the Lions. If they get Greg Roman in Washington, I think he'd be fun there. See if they can run something similar. Especially with Sam Howell there. I like Sam Howell a lot. I do. I think he got screwed getting drafted in the fifth round last year. I think he should have played a lot more than what he did because I think he is better talent-wise than Taylor Heineke. And I know there's going to be some people out there who well, couldn't beat him out at camp, so how much better can he be? Well, you don't know. You don't know. Because the same thing, or people are going to say the same thing about what if, oh, Brock Purdy should have gotten a chance in San Francisco, barring Trey Lance getting hurt. We wouldn't have seen Brock Purdy play this year. You wouldn't have known how good Brock Purdy was or how good he could have been or something like that. Like, just because he didn't beat him out at camp, there's favorites in the building. Taylor Heineke had been there, been a part of the organization. They brought in Carson Wentz, traded for him. Like, Sam Howell had a fight uphill to get that spot, and he played that last game of the year. I think he'd be fine. They're telling people, apparently, that he's the starter going into next season. And do I think he's talented enough to keep said starting job next season? I do, but this is kind of a situation like the Bears when they drafted Justin Fields. Like, their quarterbacks at that time were, like, Andy Dalton, and um, they had someone else there, too, but I don't remember who it was. Who was the other quarterback? Was it Nick Foles? Like you're sitting, you're sitting there with those quarterbacks, and you have an opportunity to trade up in the draft to get somebody. You're probably going to take it. Like Sam Howell is a good guy, good quarterback, really good college quarterback. Transformed his game his second year, his last year of college. Had to run the ball a lot more. Had to, the offense had to go through him. His draft stock plummeted because it cut because of it. But if there's a chance, if they can get Anthony Richardson, who I don't know if they would be available if they were to just stay there at 16. Who knows? Who really knows? But I saw this on Instagram today, and it was Bucky Brooks, who is uh, one of the NFL Network's top analysts. He was a former player, played for the Buffalo Bills. 
Had Bucky Brooks on the back of his jersey. Played at North Carolina. Speaking of the North Carolina Tar Heels, Sam Howell. And he put out his... I don't, I don't know why it's got tweeted today or posted today because it's been out. I've seen his top five prospects. Like, I've seen all of his lists. He's got the whole thing out there. His top five prospects for quarterbacks is what's kind of interesting to me because we watched this position all year. We watched every single freaking monotonous throw of almost every quarterback that's available in this draft. Like We watched a lot of quarterbacks. You can go read the blog posts that we made for the quarterback prospect rankings for this year. Like We made them every single week, barring one. We missed one week, but they took a long-ass time to do. Long ass time. Took the entire week to do. That's why we stopped doing it on Wednesdays because this year's class provide, needed a lot more information than last year's because there was a lot less fine lines between this year's and last year. Like this year, you could have had Stroud week one and then Bryce Young pass him and then Stroud drops off. Then Will Levis comes up there. Richardson comes up there. Like all these different factors come into play. And it's just a mess. It's a freaking mess. But here was Bucky Brooks' top five. And it's an interesting one. It's an interesting one. His top five reads Stroud, Young, Hooker, Levis, and Tanner McKee. Now, I'll start with the obvious one here. We'll start off with Tanner McKee because I know that's the one that's going to draw the most attention. And the thing is, like, these NFL draft things, the NFL draft is more of a uh, scouting thing. So I don't believe that Bucky Brooks is just putting him up there to do this because I watched Hendon Hooker because, okay, hold on. I got to backtrack real quick because I watched (laughs) Tanner McKee this past year. And the one that's going to be obviously missing out here is Anthony Richardson. If you're comparing Richardson to Tanner McKee, there are two completely different styles of players. Tanner McKee is six foot six, probably 235, 240 pounds. Cannot run. I mean, he, he has the ability to run just like everybody does, but it's just a matter of it's a lot slower than a lot of people out there. And what I will give to Tanner McKee is that uh, he has a very, very good arm. He has an insanely talented arm. He can place the ball freaking all over the field. And the thing that hurt him this year a lot, and it didn't really have to do with anything he was actually doing, his offensive system was freaking prehistoric is the best way you can describe it. Like Stanford hasn't changed their offensive philosophy for the better part of 50 years, it feels like. Since Shaw took over, as Stanford says, coach from from Harbaugh, they didn't change their offense one time. It didn't matter who was their players, who were their skill position players, who was the quarterback, who was the O-line. did not freaking matter. And Stanford got worse eventually over time, partially because of that. And Tanner McKee is running out these fakes that take so long to develop. There were plays where they're in the pistol or something, and he's reading the defender, and he's basically pushed up on the line of scrimmage. The read basically pulled him into the line of scrimmage, and he gets sacked. I think he'd have a throw to a receiver and he'd drop it. Like, Stanford's got a couple decent wide receivers. They had two in particular that were pretty decent. Higgins was one of them, and then Williams was the other one. Like, you had two decent wide receivers, but there was a lot of drops in there. And then you lost your number one running back, and I'm pretty sure you lost your other rack of running back, your other running back. And I say Williams, I meant Wilson. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Michael Wilson. And then you got Elijah Higgins, who Elijah Higgins was probably his favorite target going this year. But Michael Wilson has been playing really well this offseason in regards to, like, he played well at the Senior Bowl. was good, really good at practice and all that stuff, too. But there was just a lot of things that did not work for McKee. And I think the mixture of, like, if you look at solely at stats, his stats and Richardson's stats are kind of similar in regards to, if you just look at them and take them at face value, you do not think that's a quarterback that deserves to be drafted. 
Like, what are what are the exact numbers of Tanner McKee? Because I know they weren't great. There was a stretch where he did not play very well because Stanford was just getting blasted. Okay, so he had 2,900 yards, 13 touchdowns, 8 picks this past season. And you look at the rushing stats, he had native 90 rushing yards <laughs> with two touchdowns. He got sacked 40 times this season. Like, those are not great numbers. He never had over 15 passing touchdowns in a season. Never had over 15. And he had, going from this year to last year, he had about 115, just a little under 115, 100, what? 111 more pass attempts and had two less touchdowns than what he had before. He had more yards. He had more yards, but less touchdowns <laughs> and a lesser completion percentage. And then you look at Anthony Richardson's stats. Anthony Richardson this past year had 2,500 passing yards, 17 touchdowns, nine picks, with 654 yards rushing and nine touchdowns. So the rushing element adds a big factor in here. His completion percentage, though, is a lot worse than Tanner McKee's. Tanner McKee had the benefit, though in a terrible offense, had the benefit of playing last year. Anthony Richardson played some in bit part moments last year. It was basically whenever Emory Jones would be like, oh, Emory Jones would have a bad game, then Richardson comes in, he gets hurt, and then Emory Jones takes the job back. Doesn't play great, but doesn't do anything to lose the job. And he was the incumbent. So it was like, oh, we'll keep Richard, we'll keep Jones in here. Though Richardson is better. And Richardson had a lot of flashes this year. Both of them did. Both of them. I think Richardson was more flashy because Richardson had the running ability. He had the running ability in there. Like, you look at games, like, against Texas A&M or LSU. Like, 109 yards rushing. He had that 181-yard touchdown run against LSU. The game against Eastern Washington was one of the best games he played all year, if not the best game all year, which I know a lot of people are going to sit there and go like, well, it's against Eastern Washington. He should have probably the best game of his career. He had two incompletions that game, 240 yards. First throw of the game was amazing. The first two plays that game are why I love Anthony Richardson. Just the first two plays alone, that offense they ran. Go and watch those if you haven't. Tennessee game, he threw a shitload of passes through 44 passes, 453 yards passing. Vanderbilt, he had three passing touchdowns in that game as well. He obviously had the game against Utah, three rushing touchdowns in that game. Had two rushing touchdowns against Tennessee, four touchdowns in that game. Like, there are so many moments where Anthony Richardson looks so good. And then there are moments that make you really scratch your head. But the talent is there. The talent is there. Like, you just got to be able to develop it. I think there's more room to grow with Richardson. I think right now, you would say that probably Tanner McKee is the better quarterback right now. But when you're building for a for the future, and you're in the NFL draft, you're trying to find the pieces that you could build, that you could have sustained success with. And I think you get that more with Anthony Richardson just given his athletic traits. Like, dude's insanely fast. I would say he has a stronger arm than McKee, and it's just slightly. Because McKee, again, has an insanely, insanely strong arm. I just wish both, I wish, there's part of me that wishes Richardson went back for another year. There's part of me that wishes that. But I don't think he made a wrong decision by coming out this year because, again, I think he'll be a top 10 pick. I don't think that, that coming out this year affected his draft stock. I just think it affected him in the fact that that one extra year of development could have been good while playing. While playing being the key factor there. But as we saw with Josh Allen, I'm not saying he is Josh Allen. I think he's the closest thing to Josh Allen that we've seen in the draft since Josh Allen. Like, seeing that, if he's willing to work, which he is, given everything I've studied about Anthony Richardson, the accuracy can fix itself. It can happen. There's an old saying that you can't get better once you get to the NFL. Uh, You can. It happens a little bit more often than you think. (laughs) 
<laughs> more often than a lot of people would give it credit for. Like George Kittle and Josh Allen are two prime examples of that. Being better in the NFL than you were in college. Tom Brady <laughs> is a prime example of that. Being better in the NFL than you were in college. Andy Richardson has all the tools to be an absolute beast. If you just want to like watch fun highlights, watch Andy Richardson. Tanner McKee's highlights are not that fun to watch, but he can place a football, man. That dude can place a football. So am I surprised he's in at number five? No. I'm surprised it's over Richardson, though. And the reason I say that is because I think it'd be Hooker that would be the one missing out. And the only reason I say this is because he's got a torn ACL. I think Anthony Andon Hooker probably throws the best deep ball in this draft class. In regards to catchable ball, perfectly weighted, like, if you're talking about arm strength, Hooker probably has, out of the six guys we've looked at here, he probably has the fourth strongest arm. Because so I would probably rank it Richardson, McKee, Levis, and then Hooker, and then Bryce Young, and then CJ Stroud. If I had to rank it like that. But in regards to his timing on these deep balls, it's borderline perfect. It's borderline perfect. And the age thing will be a little bit of a factor in there going along with his injury, but... It doesn't really affect me too much. I think Hendon Hooker's a really good quarterback. I think Hendon Hooker's a really, really good quarterback. I think he should have at least gotten an invite to go to New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony. I think he deserved that, given the season that he had this year, given the schedule that he played. Like, he beat Bama. I know Bryce Young was coming off shoulder injury, and maybe the game would have been different had Bryce Young not been hurt the week prior or two weeks prior. He got hurt against Arkansas, came back, did not play against AM. Alabama, almost lost to AM. Probably should have, if we're being honest, because AM got all the way down the field and then couldn't score. And then they beat, uh, then came in against Tennessee and had to throw 40 times or 50 times because they, their offense this past year, Bama, needed Bryce Young to be at tip top shape. Otherwise, their offense wasn't going to work. But I think Hennon Hooker throws the best deep ball in this class. But I would have Hooker at five and McKee at six. But I wouldn't be upset if McKee was at five and Hooker was out just because of the injury. Just because of the injury. I think the offense, like, these are two complete polar opposites of offense in regards to Stanford's offense and Tanner McKee and Hendon Hooker and Tennessee's. Like, Tennessee's offense, go back and watch their offense. I had my friends do this once. Tennessee was playing, uh, it was one of the, like, bad teams. It was like UT Martin. I think it was UT Martin. Tennessee played UT Martin this year, right? Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Because now this is bothering I'm pretty confident it was UT Martin. Yeah, yeah, it was UT Martin. They were... They were playing that. I don't remember what we were watching, but we like Jared, who's been on the, who was on the show last week. He has YouTube TV, so we went on and we were just scrolling through different games. Like, oh, turn to Tennessee. I know it's against UT Martin, but turn it to Tennessee. I got to show you something. And I had him time out Tennessee snap count when the ball is set and when they snap it, how fast that is. That's another thing that could slightly hurt Hooker in the process because there's not a lot of pre-snap judgments. It's get up, go. Now, his ma- his decision-making ability on the fly is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But the pre-snap is very big in the NFL. So he's going to have to prove he can do that. But if he sits for a year, I mean, he's going to have to sit for most of the year regardless because he tore his ACL. So if he just sits this entire year, it could be really good for him. But that means his first year as a starter in the NFL, I think he'd be 26 years old, which is not, like, super beneficial or super awesome for an NFL team out there. There's not a lot of teams that would really appreciate that. <laughs> 26-year-old quarterback in his first year starter. Like, Josh Allen's 26 right now. <laughs> I think he's, he's either 26 or 27. But he's entering, he got drafted in 2018. 
Like that's what's kind of scary for some people. But Levis is going to be older too, so it's not even a just Hooker thing. But the ACL thing is big. If I was ranking the quarterbacks right here, right now, Bryce Young's number one. I don't really think that. I don't want to put this. I like Stroud a lot. I like all these quarterbacks a lot. I think this is a very, very good quarterback class. I think next year's going to be very fun to watch too, especially with like Caleb Williams, Drake May, all those guys. Like Michael Penix, Bo Nix, Quinn Ewers. There's a lot of really, Shadour Sanders, there's a lot of really good quarterbacks next year. But this year's class is very, and we didn't even mention Jaron Hall in here. Jaron Hall, the BYU quarterback. Clayton Toon from, ten, from Houston. You got Jake Hayner from Fresno State. Uh, who else do we got here? Uh, Sticks and ba- I've never been able to, Bagnier. Beignet, <laughs> Bagnet, <laughs> the arm wrestling champ from Shepard. He looked good in the Senior Bowl. I don't know if we've talked about the Senior Bowl, but he looked good in the Senior Bowl before he threw interceptions. <laughs> but he looked good before that. He looked good before that. But yeah, this is a fun class. This is a fun class. But I would put Young one. I think his ability to ad lib, make moves on the fly, ability to throw on the run. He's small, very small. I saw people comparing him to Steph Curry. Which makes sense. Todd McShay compared him to Steph Curry. I saw Dane Bogler, Brugler, sorry, say that he compares him to Steph Curry. So I mean, it makes sense because when Steph Curry first got drafted, Steph Curry was considered too small for the position, even though he's six three. Like, have you ever seen the picture of him and Miles Garrett standing next to each other? It's pretty eye eye opening, if I would do say so, because you don't expect it. Like in your mind, Steph Curry's this tiny dude. Oh, he's too small to play in the NBA. Weight wise, height wise. He's as tall as freaking C.J. Stroud. <laughs> but he's considered small. C.J. Stroud's got quote-unquote prototypical size for the quarterback position. And he's considered normal, and Steph Curry was considered small. So that's where Bryce Young comes in that fact. Number two, I've actually thought about this a lot, quite a bit. Because I think the gap between like Stroud, Levis, and Richardson in regards to like talent is not too dissimilar. I don't think it's too dissimilar. And the reason I say that is because Stroud is the better right now. He's the best out of the three right now. But there were moments this past season, and I'm not going to sit here and say, like, Stroud can't, isn't going to become a great NFL quarterback, because he definitely can be. He's got the accuracy to be able to do that. He's the most accurate quarterback in this draft class, bar none. And that can get you a lot of places. His arm strength is the worst out of the rest that we've talked about, but that's not saying that it's, like, horrific. No, 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 no. He still has a good arm. It's just not as good as Anthony Richardson's, which no one's in this draft is, in my opinion. It doesn't have like an insane arm that a lot of teams are looking for right now, but he's very precise. He's a point guard. That's what we talk about Steph Curry. He's the same height as Steph Curry. Like he's a point guard. But the thing that concerns me to a certain extent is that he looks, there's times where he looks really shaky. Really shaky. Like when the pocket starts breaking down around him is where I get a little nervous. But I'm not saying that can't be corrected because then you see a game like against Georgia. He has the best game of the year where you see that he can actually use his legs. Like, I think him and Joe Burrow are similar in that aspect where both of them can run. Burrow and C.J. Stroud can both run. They just choose not to, even though they can. There were times this year where you're like, dude, just run. Just run. You saw the game against Northwestern with the whole wind, like the hurricane-forced winds at Northwestern this year. I don't know if that's exactly accurate about how fast the winds were. They were going freaking crazy that week. Like, Stroud had 80-something yards rushing in that game because he needed to. He couldn't throw. So that's the game where you're like, yeah, you can move. You see the game against Georgia where he breaks off a few big runs in that game to set him up in field goal range where they ended up, you know, shanking it. This kicker's never been rattled in his life. He's one of the best kickers in college football, most accurate. He just doesn't get phased and then proceeds to kick one of the worst field goals I've ever seen in my life. Good Lord. Yeah, I think he, I think he was a little phased there. I think he was a little phased. But that Stroud thing, like against Iowa, 
Like, Stroud put up really good numbers against Iowa statistically, but you look at what you watch, you're like, he doesn't look comfortable. And I say that more about Stroud than the other guys. And that's not saying, like, Stroud's going to be a bad quarterback at all. At all. But it is kind of slightly, slightly concerning. Like, his ability to move around the pocket, his ability to move around in general, though he can, he doesn't. And I... I want to I want to see that improve at the next level. And then you got like Levis and Richardson who are just extremely raw, especially Richardson. Richardson talent wise probably the best quarterback in this class just in regards to natural talent, size, talent, ability, like all of that. It's just so raw that you don't know where the hell he's going to go. I saw some today. Mel Kiper said he could go as high as nine and before fifteen. I think that's fair. I think the Panthers are the perfect spot for him. You look at Frank Reich. They're probably going to bring in somebody like Carson Wentz this off season, and then Richardson can learn under Wentz. I don't know if that's the best thing in the world for him, but you know what? It'd be a, a veteran quarterback who was an MVP candidate at one point who has technically gone to a Super Bowl. Carson Wentz's backup quarterbacks have gone to more Super Bowls than Carson Wentz has. You have Nick Foles winning a Super Bowl, and then Jalen Hurts going to another Super Bowl. I mean, technically, Carson Wentz did go to a Super Bowl, but he didn't play because he was he tore his ACL. And then Richardson. Levis is an interesting one because Levis played out of the big four, played with the worst team out of all of them. <laughs> I think Florida had somewhat comparable, but I like, I like Ricky Pearsall. I like, I liked Etienne, the brother to Travis, Tyler Etienne. You have Osiris Torrance on the offensive line. Like they had pieces. Kentucky didn't have Chris Rodriguez for the first four games of the year due to a PED suspension. And then they had no receivers and they never changed anything in the offense. They had a new offense coordinator, new whole group of weapons, terrible-ass offensive line, and the slowest-paced team in college football. So that's where those things were. You can look at the numbers. You look at, like being shaky against Tennessee. You did not have a great secondary last year. You can look at all these things, and they're, they're concerns. I understand that. But I, I it's hard for me to judge Lev, because I'm watching those games like, dude, this is so hard to watch. Just watching Kentucky's offense trying to work. Their O-line, their receivers, it just was frustrating as hell. It's kind of, Stanford was the same thing. Like, Richardson would sometimes have enough time. Richardson was just like, why did you throw that ball? Why did you throw that? Richardson, I know I said this about Henry Hooker throwing the best deep ball. When Richardson has everything cooking, Richardson throws the best deep ball in this class. <laughs> when he has everything cooking, he does. But if he doesn't, <laughs> it could be 1,000 yards overthrown. Like Mike Vick in the Rose Bowl, or in the Coliseum, whatever it is for that Gatorade or Nike commercial where he throws it out of the stadium. That's like Anthony Richardson. I think Anthony Richardson can do that commercial too. <laughs> but it's just like, dude, what are you doing? Stop doing that. But he's fun to watch. He's fun to watch. But if, if I have to do it right now, given who I think is like the best right now, not best who I think of like who would be the best overall, I would go Young, Stroud, Levis, Richardson, McKee. At this point. Just because Hooker has a torn ACL. Just because. Hooker would be number five if he didn't. I just really made that clear. Hooker would be number five if he didn't tear his ACL. Very clear. Very, very clear about that. And there's points and times where I'm like... Like, I think we had Richardson above Levis for the the first the last week of the regular season or something like that in college football. Maybe I keep that there. Maybe I have Levis at four and Richardson at three. I don't know. Those top... Those final three quarterbacks, like Young Stroud... Levis and Richardson are very – it's very hard for me to rank them. And I know it's, it's easy for some people out there. Logan, obviously Stroud's too. Obviously Levis is not even draftable. Remember that guy that tweeted at me <laughs> a few months ago? Levis isn't going to get drafted. 
I always think it's funny when people go, I wouldn't draft this guy. There are 10 quarterbacks that got drafted last year, or nine quarterbacks that got drafted last year. In a bad quarterback class, nine or 10 quarterbacks got drafted. Levis is going to get drafted. <laughs> Let's settle down on that. Let's settle down here. Chris Olatikin got drafted. Brock Purdy got drafted. Skylar Thompson got drafted. You're going to sit here and tell me Will Levis isn't going to get drafted? Okay. <laughs> you, keep, you keep telling yourself that. You keep telling yourself that. There's a higher chance of Will Levis going first overall than not drafted. <laughs> very, very much different. Very, very much different. But it's it's fun. I'm, I'm stagnating a little bit here. Sorry about that. <laughs> We're going to try and get, like, prospect rankings out for you sometime in the near future. I got to get this stupid mock draft done, though, first. I got to get this mock draft done, though. But looking at, like, the different quarterbacks, this thing's been popping up all over the place this past week. And I, when I say past week, I mean from Sunday to today. Like, I've seen it freaking everywhere. I've been brought up to me, like, three or four freaking times. And that is with Ryan Poles, GM of the Bears, people talk about what they're going to do in their moment overall pick. Jared, when we were watching the Super Bowl, brought up a Justin Fields quote about how I just want transparency in the entire thing or I want people to be honest or whatever. Justin, I'm sorry to tell you this is the NFL. I ain't going to be honest with you. I ain't going to be honest with you. But Ryan Poles, this, well, this is Peter Schrager talking about the Bears. It's wide open book. When you finish with the worst record in the sport, nobody is untouchable, and that is true. No matter how good you are, that is 100% true. The thing is, though, uh, they're not trained Justin Fields. As I see it right now, I don't think they trade Justin Fields. Now, the combine's coming up. So once the combine happens, maybe things change. Maybe things change drastically, and Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, who did not, again, did not draft Justin Fields, which is important, which is very important. They did not draft him. They have no connections to him whatsoever. They used him to his abilities this year. They just had no line and no receivers to help him out. So he ran for the second most rushing yards in NFL history by a quarterback. I think Justin Fields has been to the worst of this team. I think you've got to trust him. I think you got to build around him. I think Justin Fields' skill set is very good. I don't – the Justin Fields' running back thing is freaking stupid. I almost said another word, but it's, it's just stupid. It is stupid. Like, the dude can throw the piss out of the football. Like, come on. Let's stop doing that. <laughs> let's stop doing that. Do I agree, though, that nobody's untouchable? Yes, I agree 100% with that. And if the Bears get an offer that they cannot refuse, like I saw some today that the Panthers trading up or trading for Justin Fields, the Pan the Bears got the first overall pick and the ninth pick, which I'm sure a lot of Bears fans would be fine with. But then you're looking at you're going to draft a quarterback again, and we're going to have to do this whole charade all over again. If there was a previous connection to one of the quarterbacks here, then that would make sense. Like the whole Kyler Murray in Arizona situation with Cliff Kingsbury recruiting him at a high school. Cliff Kingsbury saying he would draft Kyler Murray number one overall if he had the first overall pick, and then winds up being the head coach of the team with the first overall pick. And Justin Fields played a lot better this year than Josh Rosen did. And they had similar-ish circumstances. The only difference is Josh Rosen had Larry Fitzgerald. Like, they, there were similar-ish circumstances around both Justin Fields and Josh Rosen. Drafted similar situations. New coaches were not very good. You had, uh, crap, Steve Wilkes in Arizona. You had freaking Matt Nagy in Chicago. Then you had freaking Cliff Kingsbury come in, change the scenery. What's his quarterback that he played, coached in college, recruited in college, said he would draft first overall if he had the chance. And then Matt, Matt Eberflus comes in. And Justin Fields plays well. Plays well. Under the circumstances, plays well. He is a good quarterback. Like, if he was bad, like Rosen was, then I'd understand it. 
There was no redeemable redeemable qualities from Josh Rosen's rookie year apart from going like, oh, he had no help. That was it. He didn't play good. It's not like he did anything that was relatively like, oh, that guy could be something. People wanted to believe that, but that wasn't the case. That wasn't the case. He couldn't move like Fields. He didn't have as strong of an arm as Fields. He's not. As, he wasn't even as big as Fields. Fields probably got 20 pounds on him. If I'm the Bears, I'm keeping Justin Fields, and I'm if I'm not trading out, I'm taking Jalen Jalen Carter or Will Anderson. I don't even think that's a question. I don't even trade past four. The only team I trade back, there's two teams I trade back with, and that's the Colts and the freaking Texans. Because I have an opportunity to get Carter or Anderson. I'm doing that. Defense needs improved. You trade your edge rushers, and your, your GM and head coach come from teams that had big, powerful, athletic, Pass rushing interior defense alignment and Chris Jones and freaking DeForest Buckner in Indianapolis and Kansas City. Well, you have people there that could instantly improve your defense as a defensive coach. That'd be big. But if you can get a trade with like the Texans or the Texans, the Titans or the Panthers and go back to nine or 11, you can get all these different pieces to help improve your offense. Like, oh, you can get an offensive line piece, you get a bookend left tackle, you can get a wide receiver. I don't know. You gotta get a second round pick back. That's big. You traded the, your second-round pick this year for Chase Claypool. Out of all people, Chase Claypool? Really? Second-round pick. That was a stupid trade at the time. It's even stupider now <laughs> since you don't have a second-round pick. And Chase Claypool did absolutely nothing this year. Oh, my goodness. The draft's fun. The draft is fun. But, Justin, they're not going to be honest with you. They're not going to. I'm sorry. They're not going to be honest with you. And it's a shame. It's a damn shame that they're not going to be honest with you, but they're not. And we brought the combine a little bit ago. Uh, most players invited by school to the 2023 Combine. Uh, Alabama has 13 players. Georgia has 12. 12 of them. Then we have Florida, LSU, Michigan, TCU have nine. Clemson, Ohio State have eight. Then Maryland, Oklahoma, Penn State, and Tennessee have seven. Shocker. Alabama and Georgia have 13 and 12 players going to the Combine. Absolutely insane. Absolute insanity. Ridiculous. I don't know which team will have more first-round draft picks this year. I know I can guarantee two for Bama. <laughs> I can guarantee two. Yeah, if you told you don't know, it's Bryce Young and Willie Anderson. We can guarantee those two. For Georgia, you got Jalen Carter, guaranteed. Broderick Jones, guaranteed, barring an injury, of course. Barring injury, Jalen Carter, Bryce Young, and Willie Anderson are first-round draft picks. Broderick Jones might be a little different, but he's not. I don't think he falls past 15 if he stays healthy. Do we have another one in here? Kaylee, Keely Ringo is a possibility in the first round. Possibility. Eli Ricks, way late possibility in the first round. Oh, Jameer Gibbs is another possibility in the first round. Oh, Brian Branch. Brian Branch. I forgot about Brian Branch. So, yeah, we got three for Bama, guaranteed. Two for George, guaranteed, like I can think of off the top of my head right now. And Keely Ringo's possibility again. Jameer Gibbs, possibility for Alabama. Any receivers? No. Oh, Darnell Washington for Georgia. He's a possibility. He's more of a possibility than Ringo, at this point, anyways. Then, like, Kenny McIntosh, I guess. <laughs> Chris Smith, safety. Any linebackers this year? No, that I can think of. I'm trying to go off the top of my head, and I, it's kind of kind of hard. But, yeah, I, I, I would guarantee three for Bama. Guarantee three. Young, Anderson, Branch. Those are guaranteed first-round draft picks. They guaranteed for Georgia's just Carter and um, Roger Jones. And then, like, Darnell Washington, Keely Ringo are possibilities. High possibilities, but possibilities nonetheless. And then Jameer Gibbs is a, a possibility for Bama. 
it all depends. Jameer Gibbs' draft stock all depends on where Bijan Robinson goes. Because if Bijan Robinson goes earlier in the first round, then Gibbs will go in the first round. If Bijan Robinson goes later in the first round, then Jameer Gibbs is not going first round. Like if the 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 round the range for Gibbs, if if Robinson is picked before pick thirty, <laughs> then Gibbs has a chance to go in the first round. If he is picked at thirty or later, there is no chance because there's only one team left. Maybe the Chiefs do draft Jameer Gibbs first round. I like Pacheco, but man, maybe they do. Maybe they do. Who the hell knows? Man. Then you got all these different things. I've seen like all these different people the Bills are going to draft. The draft's way more fun if you're bad. The draft's way more fun if you're bad. Like Mel Kuyper, who has said this before, and it didn't change the fact then, ESPN draft analyst Mel Kuyper says he'll retire Baltimore Ravens draft B. John Robinson in the first round. He won't. He said if Jimmy Clausen has become a success, he'd retire then too, and he didn't. So don't, don't trust that. Don't trust that. Do I have anything else that I really want to touch on that I have here on my camera roll? Oh, Rex Ryan possibly coming to the new DC of Denver. That could be, be funny. Then uh, we have Shane Steichen getting hired as the car as the Colts head coach, which I think is a really good hire for the Indianapolis Colts. Then Gannon, what is his first name? He got hired by the Cardinals. He's the Eagles defense coordinator. Gannon, Cardinals. Jonathan Gannon. So there's our all last uh, head coaching hires. Now we're just looking at the free agent, the what do you call it? Coordinator hires. So, Eric, you want to come up to Buffalo? I, I will personally drive you up there, and I will personally kick Ken Dorsey's ass out. Now, it, maybe if you want to keep Ken Dorsey this year, and you think he's going to do some good this year, maybe that's a chance. I I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't. I have not gone back and watched that Bengals game again. I cannot bring myself to do it. But all I remember from that game is how much they've gotten outcoached. Three years in a row. Three years in a row they've gotten outcoached on defense. You allow Josh Allen the offense score 36 points. You allow 42 and leave the middle of the field wide open. That's unexcusable. How he kept his job into that game is ridiculous. But now, I don't, I don't know. I know there's a lot of things going on in defense with injuries and stuff like that, the whole DeMar Hamlin thing, but that's it's just stupid. It's just stupid. The ceiling, the, 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 there's that, that small feeling in your stomach. They're like, man, did they just waste the best Josh Allen ever? Did they just waste jo- the best version of Josh Allen? That's the scary thing. That is the scary thing. Now, uh, this is the last thing I want to do today because it's been popping up my timeline recently. We've talked about this draft numerous times before. This is the 2013 NFL draft. Famously, one of the worst drafts of all time. Famously, one of the worst drafts of all time. And I'm back on Sporkle, which you can do this quiz as well. 32 picks, which is a little bit different than this year's because there's only 31 picks because the Dolphins forfeited their first round pick to them freaking tanking for Tua, which <laughs> we'll see if that works out because they're talking about Rumors are talking about them possibly going for, like, Derek Carr, which I will drive Derek Carr down there myself if he wants to be the quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. Again, I'll make a round trip from Buffalo to Miami if you need me to. But this is a – can you name the 2013 NFL Draft first-round picks? Got 10 minutes to do this. And, uh, yeah, this draft is tough. This is a tough draft. <laughs> I could easily go through the past – what is it? Probably 2017. Guaranteed I can name the entire first round. Guaranteed. Maybe 2018. Maybe I'll stop at 2018. But 2017 be close. 2017, I might have a couple that I mess up on. But 2018, I can get a silver. Last year to 2018, 2017, I can get 100%. In the first round. First round. This one I'll struggle with. 
I know two picks right off the bat because the Bills picked the only quarterback in the first round this year. I was at a Barnstormers game with my dad. We were sitting first row, and we were following the draft on the old school orange and white ESPN mobile app. <laughs> I saw the Bills draft EJ Manuel. But uh, we got 10 minutes, 3, 2, 1, go. We'll start off with Eric Fisher. Central Michigan's own Eric Fisher. I remember Brady, when the Chiefs did this, he's like, leave it to the Chiefs, because this is when the Chiefs were bad. This is when the Chiefs were bad. So you, you, you can go through and uh, like leave it to the Chiefs, the bad Chiefs, to draft a Central Michigan player first overall. And then Eric Fisher, you know, legendary Eagles player, or Eagles player, Chiefs player. Then uh, number two, uh, you got Luke Jokel. For, I don't know how to spell his name. Joke. Oh, I did spell it. Jockel. Jockel. From the Jaguars. Texas A&M guy, I believe. Then we got Deion Jordan, I think. Yeah. Number four, one of the few really good players in this draft class. That's uh, Lane Johnson. Starting right tackle for the Eagles. Lions. Is this Ansa? Zeke Ansa? Yes. Ziggy Ansa. Number six. I think. I think. <laughs> is this Barcavius Mingo? Yes! <laughs> Barcavius Mingo is one of my favorite players of all time. Went to LSU. I remember watching him at LSU. And every time he his name get mentioned on CBS... My dad would go, that's what I wanted to name you, but your mom wouldn't let me. <laughs> I've had so many names that my dad wanted to name you that my mom wouldn't let me. Let him. Like Barcavius. Barcavius Lawrence Blackman. <laughs> Crazy name. Crazy name. Such a buttery name. Cardinals. I feel like this is another tackle. I feel like this is another tackle, but I'm not I'm not confident in saying that. What other players for the Cardinals would have been around then? Antrol, no, Antrol Roll wouldn't have been around then. Antrol Roll was with Aaron Rodgers in 05. Why did I even guess that one? I want to say, like, Levi Brown. Was it not Le- Levi Brown? Was a Bills quarterback. The Rams at number eight. That's Tavon Austin. Yeah. Jets. Is this Milner? D. Milner? Miller? It's one of those busts that they had. I'm pretty confident, but I don't remember which one it was. Titans. Is this Taylor Le- No, Taylor Lewan was, like, 11th overall. Chargers at 11. Is that DJ Fluker? Yeah, DJ Fluker for the Chargers. Raiders. I almost guessed Darius Hayward Bay, but it was not him. Jets 13, don't remember. Panther, Bills, I, I just get Manuel out of there. Ravens at 32. I mean, we have Lamar Jackson in 2018, get drafted 32nd overall. Who would the Ravens have taken then? This is hard. This is really freaking hard. Um, I've got 9 out of 32, and I'm already struggling. I'm at 735 right now. Left. Vikings, who would have the Vikings have taken? Would this have been per, no, not Percy Harvin. What the hell am I talking about? Is this, though, Patterson? No, Patterson was, like, 31st. Oh! It was, I didn't even see they had two second. They had two first-round picks. Oh, nice. We got Cordero Patterson in there. Who would this... Oh, this is Xavier Rhodes. This is Xavier Rhodes. Xavier Rhodes. Yeah! Yeah! I knew that one. So, I was like, they definitely... Once I... I didn't see that they had two first-round picks. I completely forgot about that. Oh, they have three! They have three! Who was the other guy? Because I remember Xavier Rhodes. I remember Cordero Patterson. Because Cordero Patterson was technically a receiver, but they drafted him as a kick returner. That was the whole Devin Hester thing. That was what Taven Austin went so high as well. Ted Ginn went super high because of that as well. Oh, who was the first Vikings pick, though? I want to guess. It's not Daniel Hunter. Daniel Hunter was a third rounder. It's not Anthony Barr. Anthony Barr was like a ninth overall pick. Jets is the Jets one's pissing me off because I'm pretty sure it's not Miller or Milner. I thought it was. I thought it was. I thought it was Miller 
or Milner. Am I spelling it wrong? How do you spell How many different ways can you spell Milner? It's like, okay. Am I spelling this right? I'm like 99% sure this is right. D. Milner. He was a corner. I'm not, I'm not even taking this one. I'm not even taking this one. I'm looking at, oh my god. It's mi- It's Milliner. I never heard that. D. Milliner. Milliner. I guess it's, I guess whatever, but I was the, I'm glad. That's not cheating because I knew who it was. It's not cheating because I knew who it was. I just couldn't figure out how to freaking spell it. Colts at 24. Texans at 27. Was that Hopkins at 27? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What other receiver? Because I remember this was like a not great receiving class. Who else would have picked a receiver here? So is that that wasn't at Hayward Bay. I'm just going to type it out just because I, I need to guess it because it's going to bother me the rest of the time. Saints at 15. Like, I know it's not, but I, I just had to throw in Pierre Thomas. Ravens at 32. Who would have been Ravens at 32? They draft a lineman there? Except... Okay, I, for some reason my brain was saying Michael Orr, and I knew that wasn't right. Who else is on this list? Steelers? Niners? Who the, the... I'm at 13, and I got 441 left. I'm at 13 out of 32. I'm trying to, like, go through the Rolodex of teams in my head. Because this is actually this is actually bother. There's a bunch of receivers that went in this draft. I'm just completely forgetting about. I'm absolutely just forgetting about. But I cannot freaking take it anymore. I can't take it because this <laughs> this is my career. This is my freaking career going on right here. This is my freaking career. This is my livelihood. It's my livelihood. I love when things just pop in your head like that. Cause that's what makes it really fun. That's what makes it really fun. Joe Hayden <laughs> was the on that really weird realm of Raiders players where he was super athletic and just absolute shit. <laughs> oh my god! Who else do we got on here? Um, we got Eric Reed, Niners. Justin Reed's brother, Eric Reed. That uh, uh, Justin Pugh. <laughs> We're not like things just pop in your head like that. And now I'm stuck again. I've got halfway. I'm at 3.30 right now. Jonathan Cooper. Nice. Guard. Guard. Nice. So we've almost got the top 10 done. We've almost got the top 10 done. Panthers at 4. So we got, we've got 17 out of 32. We've got the Titans at 10. Jets, 13. Panthers, 14. Saints, 15. Steelers, 17. Bears, 20. 21 Bengals. 22 Falcons. 23 Vikings. 24 Colts. 26 Packers, 26. I mean that, that the pick before Aaron Rodgers. We know it's not a it's not a quarterback or a wide receiver. We know that. 28 Broncos, 30 Rams, 31 Cowboys, 42 Rams. I'm trying to like think of players that were good a little bit ago. Like I'm just throwing in random last names now. Smith. <laughs> there had to be someone Smith in this draft class. Oh my god! I remember watching mock drafts around this time. I didn't like religiously follow the draft like I do now back then. 
But I remember seeing a mock draft like right before the draft started with like EJ Man, like Geno Smith going like fourth overall or something. Like Geno Smith being a super high draft pick. But I remember like there was no real consensus number one. It was, no, it was like between Fisher, Jokel, and that was pretty much it. I think those were just the top two, and then Geno Smith was somewhat sprinkled in there. But like if Matt Castle can keep that job, <laughs> I got a minute 55 left, and I'm struggling. I'm absolutely struggling. This is pissing me off because I, I like to think I'm kind of good at this stuff. And then I do this. And then I completely forget about all things that I've I've ever done. I forget about everything. Um, now I'm just waffling at this point. I, don't, I got a minute 34 left. I'm trying to brainstorm. I'm trying to do like the think, think, think. And you know what? You know what? You know what? You know what? <laughs> Kyle Long. Kyle Long. And then we got a... Uh, then we're stuck again. Was Tyler... Because there was... Tyler Eifert. Was he in this draft? He freaking was. He freaking was. Um, Who else would have been in here? I've got like... i got a minute left. I've got 19 out of 32. I got 19 out of 32. It's like these random ones that just keep pop- like Desmond Trufant had to be in here. Cause Je- Desmond Trufant wore number twenty one. The fact that the Falcons have not retired Desmond Deion Sanders number is ridiculous. Desmond Trufant came in and wore I don't know how why he wore that number. I got thirty six seconds, I've got twenty out of thirty two. That's respectable, kind of. The rest of it's kinda not. There's gonna be players on here. I'm just gonna give up now. I'm not even gonna worry about it. I've 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 held on for this long. Chance Warmack. Oh, now they got a 14-second ad. So I I can't see. Okay, so I got to see a Grand Theft Auto 5 ad. Want to hide this ad? Go orange. Now I'm good. I got four seconds left. Two, one. Chance Warmack. We got him. Didn't get him. Sheldon Richardson. Star. Star Lutalele. Bill's legend. Star Lutalele. Kenny Vaccaro from Texas. Jarvis Jones. Steelers. Sheree Floyd. Bjorn Werner, Werner, <laughs> Bjorn Werner, went to the Colts, I forgot about that guy, <laughs> Dante Jones, Sylvester Williams, Alec Ogletree, Travis Frederick, and Matt Elam, I don't know, I should have gotten Star, I should have gotten Sheldon, like, I know, like, I should have gotten Chance Warmack probably, Kenny Vaccaro, I completely forgot that dude existed, Bjorn Werner, I wish I remembered that guy existed, because he was awesome, not really, but he had a funny name, <laughs> Travis Frederick, was awesome. Everybody knows Travis Frederick, one of the better centers of his time. Like I love Travis Frederick, Wisconsin guy. Played for the Cowboys for X amount of years. Balled out. One of the best old lines of the NFL when they were all healthy. That was the thing when they were all healthy though. But yeah, you know what? We'll take twenty. We got sixty three percent average scores. Fifty five. Well, that's not great. I, to be fair, I quit with twenty seven seconds left. So I, I'll take it. I'll absolutely take it. But like Shree Floyd, Shree Floyd maybe should have got that. I'm happy I got Xavier Rhodes and Cordero Patterson. Uh, there's some that I like, vividly remember. Obviously, E.J. Manuel. I got most of the top ten. I got nine. I wish I knew how to spell Milliner. I didn't know it was Milliner. I thought it was just Milner. Milliner. Milner. That dude sucked. Same with Joe Hayden. Or D.J. Hayden. Not Joe Hayden. Joe Hayden was good on the Browns. D.J. Hayden was bad. Friend Tyler did not like D.J. Hayden when he was on the Steelers. <laughs> did not like D.J. Hayden. I vividly remember D.J. Hayden. But, uh... I think that's all I've got for you today. I was going to do like a Valentine's tier list, but it's not Valentine's Day anymore. 
and I'm not sad anymore. So we're not <laughs> Oh, man. Well, I mean, I guess it, the, your definition of sad could vary, I guess. Maybe this show is just sad. Maybe just, like, man, this show is depressing. <laughs> well, that's all I've got for you today. I hope you enjoyed it. If not, I sincerely apologize. Hope you enjoy. Oh, you know what? We got to talk about the XFL a little bit. We got to talk about the XFL a little bit. Tiny bit. It's the weird opening week of the XFL. And I got a text message from my friend Zach, who's been on the show before. Zach texted me and asked me if he should get a St. Louis Battlehawks shirt or jersey. Or, no, it was shirt. It was shirt. And I was like, sure. I don't care. <laughs> you can get what you want. And he was like, well, I'm not confident. And I don't know how long this league's going to work. And my old thing with this league, and I was talking to my dad about this last week. And, or not last week, I guess it was on Monday. After the Super Bowl, you talk about like all these different things that all the different football leagues that are on. You got the USFL, you got the XFL kicking off. USF, XFL kicks off this weekend. The XF, or XFL kicks off this weekend. The USFL, where does that one kick off? Kick off. Where, that doesn't start till April. So the XFL is this weekend, USFL is in April. And my big thing with these is that it, it starts off fun. It starts off fun, and then once you get to, like, past the novelty of it, and you go, wow, this product sucks. I understand these are guys that aren't quite good enough for the NFL, but are still good enough to fill out their dreams of playing real football and, like, going to the Arena League and stuff like that, but it's just not good. And once you get past the novelty of it that first week, and the quarterback play drops down tremendously, the league goes to shit. Every single year this thing has taken place, Spring League, USFL, the AAF, the XFL, once the quarterback play dips, then everybody kind of stops. And you you see, like, the the difference. Like, the USFL commercials are starting to piss me off because they're doing, like, look at all these great players that played in the USFL. Jim Kelly, Steve Young, Herschel Walker, Reggie White. You're not competing with the NFL anymore. You don't have the money to compete. Those guys only went to the USFL because they got paid. And Jim Kelly's place, Jim Kelly's, Reason he didn't want to play for the Bills, so he went down to Houston. But you're not, you're, it's not the same thing anymore. Stop trying to sell it as that because you're going to talk about all these Hall of Fame football players, and you're going to have to sit down and watch. I, I don't know who who's a player on the in a USFL team this year. See, I don't even know. Like, let's go to the we'll go to the Houston Gamblers. It's Jim Kelly's team. Let's see who their players are. They don't have anybody. So you're not even. Oh, they do. They do. You're going to watch. Um, Terry Wilson, who played at four different colleges, and he plays for the Houston Gamblers. Or you can watch uh, Kenny Bahar. It went to Monmouth. Like you, once you get past the novelty of it, then everything else kind of goes downhill. At least to me. Maybe you're different. Maybe you're different than I am. But that's just how I view it. Like these guys. Like you look at the best player in the XFL. It was PJ Walker. P.J. Walker is barely a third-string quarterback in the NFL. Barely. The only reason he got in Carolina is because Matt Rule is there and he coached him at Temple. Like, P.J. Walker torched the XFL. Garrett Gilbert torched the USFL with the Orlando Apollos. Like, these guys, like, once you get past the novelty, it's like, man, this kind of sucks ass. And it gets boring. It gets really boring, at least for me. Again, I cannot speak for everybody, but at least it's for me. I get super bored watching this. I didn't even watch a USFL game last year. I might have watched one in an accident. But I actually sat down and watched the XFL when it first kicked off. 
And I chose the defenders because Cardell Jones was there. I went through each roster and chose a quarterback, team off quarterback. If I was doing this, I would be a San Antonio Brahmas fan. I mean, Reed Sinnott, greatest quarterback of all time. So I had to be a San Antonio Brahmas fan. I'll hold my, my allegiances to the defenders for now. You got Derek King, who I really liked in Miami. Jordan Tayamu from Ole Miss. You got Eric Dungy from Syracuse. Like, you got a, like some good quarterbacks in there that I like. But San Antonio Brahmas. You got Reed Sinnott. So, obviously, they're going to be the favorites to win the league. Reed's not starting the season off as a starter. Jack Cohn is, apparently. I just looked that up today. But this USFL thing, I've... I want, I'm not going to get like, oh, don't get excited about the USFL or XFL. Don't get excited about it. It's not worth it. You're allowed to get excited over whatever you want, but that's just how I view it. Like, AJ McCarron is going to be the quarterback for the St. Louis Battlehawks. Brett Hundley, Luis Perez, Luis, Luis the Dude Perez. He was in the AAF with the Birmingham Barons. Wow. I forgot about Luis the Dude. Bro. He's been, oh my God. His or Birmingham Irons, Birmingham Barons is the baseball team. Birmingham Irons in the AAF. That was my team in the AAF, the Birmingham Irons. Birmingham Iron, sorry. Since then, he has been on the Eagles, Lions, Los Angeles Wildcats, whatever the hell that is. Oh, that's the XFL team. That's, that's an XFL team folded officially. New York Guardians, another XFL team. TSL, the Spring League Jousters. Cool name. Then we've got the New Jersey Generals, who are uh, the USFL team. (laughs) Then the Los Angeles Rams, and now he's on the Vegas Vipers. So since he left the Birmingham Iron in 2019, he's been on seven teams. That's four years. (laughs) But Luis the Dude Perez, this dude was a bowler. He was a bowler. He learned how to play football pretty much on YouTube. Like, he didn't... He he went to Southwestern College... Like he was a bowler in high school. Never played varsity football. And he went to college, and now he's in the he's in the XFL. And he could be a star. Louis, he's the dude. So the Vegas Vipers are definitely up there for me. Who's the Seattle Sea Dragons? You got Ben DiNucci, Steven Montez. Ben DiNucci, obviously, of James Madison fame. Steven Montez of Colorado fame. Then we go down to the South Division. We got the Arlington Roughnecks. With the which used to be the Dallas Roughnecks, you got Kyle Slaughter, Drew Pitt, and Kevin Anderson. Kyle Slaughter, obviously legendary there as well. Houston Roughnecks. This was PJ Walker's team. I don't know if he's still there. He's not there anymore. Caleb Eberle, Cole McDonald, Cole McDonald, Dreadlocks, Hawaii quarterback, and then Brandon Silvers, who was with Seattle, the Seattle Dragons, not the Sea Dragons anymore. They were the they were the Dragons, and then Kyle Eberle was uh, Western Michigan. Remember Kyle Ellaby. Good Lord. Ellaby. But Cole McDonald is obviously the most fun quarterback on there. Dude's got dreadlocks. <laughs> he went to Hawaii, got dreadlocks and everything. Then we got the Orlando Guardians, who used to be the New York Guardians. We got DeAndre Francois from uh, Florida State fame and Hampton fame. And then Paxton Lynch, former first round draft pick, sitting there. So. You know what, in the San Antonio Brahmas, we already talked about them, but Reed sent Jack Cohn, Jawan Pass. I don't know who that is. He doesn't even have a Wikipedia page, so I'm not sure. But yeah, the XFL, you're allowed to have fun with it. I'd, I'll probably watch the first game, maybe. It's about it, probably, if I had to guess. I just don't, it's just not a good product. I, I, I like it at first, and then, then I get done with it, and then I get done with it. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Maybe this one's built to last. Maybe this one is built to last, and hopefully it does. And we got new expansion to the Vegas Vipers. What? Why is there a Tampa Bay here? 
I'm confused with this map I've got going on here. <laughs> Whatever, it doesn't matter. But the XFL kicks off this weekend. If you want to watch, you can. Let's see what the this league schedule is looking like this week. So week one, we got Vegas versus Arlington. We're gonna take um we're take Arlington in that one, Bob Stoops in that. We're gonna take uh the Houston Roughnecks over the Orlando Guardians, Luis the Dude Perez. I don't know if he's gonna start, but we're gonna take the Roughnecks. Battlehawks versus the Brahmas. I mean, again, we're gonna take the Brahmas. Come on, man. Come on, man. Jack Cohn's getting I've never wished injuries on anybody, but Jack Cohn got hurt or played bad for Reedson to go in and ball the F out for it. And then defenders over Sea Dragons, we're taking the defenders, man. We're taking the Santa. We're taking the DC defenders, baby. So we've got the all the home teams, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> Didn't even do that on purpose. Roughnecks are renegades, Brahmas, and defenders. So that's all I've got for you today. That's officially all I've got for you today. That's Now we're officially done. I will see you all later. Enjoy your weekend, and I will see you all later. Look out for Mock Draft 1.0 on Monday. Peace.